that is the one thing I really hate about this place is how much the coffee sucks. Uh, like Duff beer for me. <laughs> Duff beer for <laughs> you. <laughs> Duff man cannot die. Only the actors who play him. <laughs> <laughs> we start this with me to go on Okay guys, welcome back to the Talking Fit Podcast Now, I know it's been a while since you've heard from us And we're kind of here to talk to you about why There have been a lot of changes uh, over the last few months uh, For all of the hosts, including Kane, Greg and myself So we're kind of just going to just dive straight in and talk about that So Kane no longer works at SOS Which is super duper cool Because he's gone off and done his own self-employed thing Which is awesome But that does mean that there have been a lot of stresses in terms of getting us together as a group because Greg is busy, I'm busy, Kane is doing his own self-employed thing and also, congratulations, is also getting married in September. How weird is that? He's not allowed to get married. He's getting old. He's getting old. It's time. Kane's younger than me. How old is he? Kane's like six months younger than me. So what, is that? what does that make him? 29? 29? Yeah. Coming to the end of his foot, like I mean, at that age, you're coming towards. You know, I suppose you're still at the peak of your football. You don't get that joke, do you? No, I don't get that joke. It's, like, it's, like, it's like this. So, like this year, I'm turning 33. I'm coming to the end of my f- potential footballing career. I think it's the end. I mean, you're talking to the wrong guy. Like football is just the worst sport. It is just the worst sport. It's just completely perpetuated by a bunch of fucking. It's got the worst people in it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Both it's got the worst fans and. It's athletes. got the worst people in it. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking, speaking of which, like, do you remember um, Nadal's? Well, not Nadal. What I'm talking about. Um, Ronaldo. That's how bad I am at football. He's <laughs> got fucking Rafael Nadal in a football joke. Um, Ronaldo brought out like a, an electric waist trainer, or something that it was like. Oh, he advertises it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how mad is that? Why? Because it's absolute fucking, like, absolute charlatan. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I just kind of feel like you're, you're making enough money. Like, why why do you feel the need to further sell out? Like, you've already got, like, the most fucking well-trimmed eyebrows in all the football. Would you not sell out for, like, retarded shit? You know what? I think it would have to be a, like, level, of money, a level of money that is so disproportionate. Like, remember I could do more good with it for selling out. What was the car that um, Krusty sold out in The Simpsons? <laughs> and he promised he'd never sell out. How are you always bring I'll, everything I'll back remember, to Simpsons? I'll remember it. And he sold out to the car. Yeah, but anyway, everyone sells out. Everyone sells out. Oh yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I realise like everyone's a prostitute for someone, but it always comes down to that. Like, what what could you do with that level of money? You know what I mean? Like, if someone was like, oh yeah, would you advertise a waist trainer for one billion dollars? I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. No, the good that I could do with one billion dollars. I think when you I think when you talk about selling out, it depends if you're selling out too. Like, I don't want to sell out and sell arms to the Saudis. Like, that's probably, <laughs> like, I mean, there, there comes a stage where it's just too much. But like, if someone wants me to wear a shit t-shirt for loads of money, I'll do that. Like, I won't, I won't sell out where people are going to get hurt. I guess. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just find the whole thing just kind of really skeezy and weird just because we're, our industry is full of sellouts anyway because everyone has got like a discount code is trying to be an influencer and it's just sort of shelling themselves left, right and centre. But make no money. Yeah, that, but that's the thing. So the market is so oversaturated. Like, I really do think the age of the influencer is coming to an end. Like, I think it is going to start dying before too long because there's just too many of them. If everyone is being influential, then... No one's being influential. Uh, I, th- I, it, I think people are getting a little... Well, I don't know. 
I don't know if it's because of the people I'm just around. I don't hang around with 21-year-olds anymore. So, like, you don't know if 21-year-olds are still falling for the same shit that we fell for at 21. Or are they because our generation went first, bought all the stupid programs and all the stupid waist trainers, realized, have them all in their fucking garage, and realize that none of them work? Or are the 21-year-olds just making the exact same mistakes that we did? I think that they're making less mistakes, just different mistakes. Because I've not seen a waist trainer in the wild in a very long time. No, true. Like, I've not seen the lesser spotted waist trainer no. in a commercial gym for a very, very long time. Yeah. But there'll still be, like, you know, figure bikini models or whatever that are still, like, clutching on to the idea that this is the, this is the thing, this is the secret, this is what is... Well, like giving them that hourglass for seeing. Like, yeah, it's in the fitness business circle, like one of the pages I'm on Facebook, and someone like it's where you, anyone as part of the fitness industry can put something up as far as like trying to help other people business wise. And a woman put up, and she was talking about, oh my god, if I can remember this, that was it. Help yourself sweat and burn body fat by applying a, co- a coconut oil based oil. Coconut oil based oil. That would make sense. Yeah. A coconut oil. <laughs> A coconut oil with something else in it. I can't remember. I remember this. It's, it was the um, capsaicin oil. So that, like, so that is essentially like, like deep heat for horses. Right. Okay. Like, so Dave Tate has a great article where he talks about um, like that's what they used to use for like for warm ups. Obviously, like once you're in the suit, you're not going to be able to like actually move around that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Like an old school equipped powerlifting suit. So they just like rub loads of fucking like horse deep heat on themselves to keep them warm under their wraps and everything. It's mad. And that's what, but that's still what some people, I presume, are selling. Because that is the th- that that is what you are missing. That's why you're not losing weight, is that you're not lathering yourself in coconut oil. Oh man, it's just I, I just don't understand how we still got the point where people are so uneducated that they still think it's going to be this exciting thing, this magic bullet, rather than just boring basics. And because that's it. And I think I think as well. Like I put up a post last night. It was only really small. Um, like for gen pop, trying to find what position you need to be in in terms of the spectrum, like where you got like calories. Calories are the only thing that matter down one end. Then you got like Mike Mutso at the other end who does intermittent fasting, ketogenic carb cycling. Right, so you got to be as a client. You've got to be somewhere in the middle there, where you recognise that the quality of food matters because the quality of food is going to determine how you feel. Obviously, you become what you absorb, not what you eat, what you absorb. True that. Um, so if you're absorbing really good shit you'll feel better in your deficit for example or you'll have more volume of food but like I think how do we it is boring though isn't it and we spoke about that before the middle of the road is boring but it's probably what everyone needs everyone everyone needs to be somewhere in the middle I've never had a client that consistently hit a reasonably low calorie target up their steps ate decent food and didn't get where they want to be yeah that's exactly it so, I mean, now that we've gone off on another ginormous tangent, which is incredibly true to form, um, we kind of just want to finish talking about sort of like where we've been and kind of where we're going to be going with Talking Fit. So, obviously, we talked about how we've all been incredibly busy running our own businesses, doing whatever, Greg working for SOS, me working for myself, and Kane on his brand new business venture, which is going very, very well for him. Um, but where are we going next? So, we want to basically start churning out a lot more podcasts but originally the Talking Fit podcast was part of our sort of like grand plan for developing our own separate brand our own new initiative um, in terms of how we start actually educating the populace but you know what it's really really hard to start up something new when you're already paying the bills 
So we've taken a bit of a lateral step. So what we want to do is basically just keep producing the podcast for no other reason than we really just enjoy getting together and doing the podcast. So what that means is that you are going to be seeing a lot less content coming out from the Talking Fit page. We will start doing a few more things here and there, um, which will be bigger, more in-depth Facebook Lives, um, which will be done sort of once, twice a month. But primarily, we're going to be sharing through our own personal pages everything related to the Talking Fit podcast. So please keep an eye out for Shamrock Strength, Rebellion Strength, and Kane Owen Strength and Fitness Coaching for all things Talking Fit related. Um, so moving on from there, after we've talked about fucking Ronaldo's eyebrows, waist trainers, charlatanry, and uh, kind of what we're doing, we want to talk about some of our client stories and things that have been going on because Greg and I have been you know, since we don't have came to talk to you now, actually having to uh, spend more time together. And we talk a lot about the things that we're doing with our clients at the moment, and it's been really nice because we've still been able to maintain that really collaborative relationship, even though sort of Kane's managed to move off. Because that used to be like our little brain trust, wasn't it? Like yeah. we all just kind of talk together about our clients. And um, it's really interesting. Like the, we seem to be in this weird spot at the moment where the our areas of interest that diversify us as a three have really started to you know niche down as mm-hmm. it were like a lot more people are coming to me specifically for you know injury rehabilitation or prehabilitation um a lot more people are coming to you in terms of wanting to know about biochemistry the gut microbiome and a lot more people are just going to Kane in general because his self-employed thing is he's killing it at the moment mm. so i mean what kind of things have you been working on greg in terms of clients or in terms yeah. of my own personal development? But both? Um, personal development, I've... What's a no, so, like, I did, I did that, like, high, like, let my ego get the better of me when I remember when I first started in this industry. And I tried to jump. So I wanted to be... I love, function, I love the functional side of medicine. Um, and I wanted to be at the higher end of that. And I wanted to deliver that to clientele. But the problem I made was I went to the extreme end of it straight off the bat, not knowing the basics of everything. So I've gone back to school basically, not in a class-based setting, but I've gone back and got all the original cellular biology, biochemistry textbooks. They're like 1100 pages long. (laughs) And I've started going through all the terminology. I've started really delving into that side of things a little bit more. So I like, it's just a basic understanding. So I could recite things if people ask me a question about something, but it's the deeper understanding that I wanted to find out for myself. So that like with kind of nuanced questions and stuff like that, I could, interpret and then feedback rather than just feeding back a generic thing that I knew. Um, so that's basically what I've done the last while. So I'm, ba- I'm through Ferris's introduction to biochemistry. I'm on a page about 750 of 1100 pages. Um, but it's weirdly interesting if you're, int- if you're into that kind of thing. It's once you get a basic grasp of it, you start to enjoy it. It's very difficult at the start, but I'm starting to enjoy it now. And then I got to move on to a bit more cellular biology. Um, but that's what I'm doing personally. As far as clients go, my method has been very much the same for a long time. I, it's accountability with the vast majority of general population. Program design, I think at that level, don't get me wrong, it, it plays a role and it absolutely does. But I think it's the same when you deal with, the lower end doesn't quite put across the point I'm trying to make. I don't mean you're at the low end, but when you're dealing with general things, they need general approaches. Yeah, um, completely. So like program design doesn't have to be fancy, it doesn't have to be nuanced, it can just be progressive 
in its, I suppose, in its methods. So like you get people to do the big movements if they need some sort of rehab. I tend to send them to Rogan anyway because I want to fucking, I hate fucking rehab. Um, <laughs> and that is what rustles my jimmies. It's nice if it works. I mean, I've tried it once or twice and it's been nice when it works, but it's by chance or it's through someone else's programming that I get. Um, so Rogan I used a lot when I had a client recently who came back from major back surgery. I used Gavinatories as well and I delivered it. So I'll take responsibility, of course. Of course, absolutely. But it's their programming that really got them there. Um, so that's the major things I'm going through personally and professionally, I suppose, with my clients. I don't have anyone particularly fancy at the moment that needs anything fancy. So I don't delve into it. Um, you? I mean, kind of the set on, on the same vein, actually. I just want to kind of just highlight that point you said. Like, people don't necessarily need all the fancy stuff they think they do. No. Fuck, do they? No. Um, I think... Well, I suppose Claire would be kind of one person that is slightly more advanced. So she's f- competed in physique already. She's a little bit more advanced, but still generally, like the advanced people in physique sports are 10 years down the line. She's a year. Like, so she came in with lean as fuck mine when she competed last time, probably didn't carry enough muscle mass. So it's a hypertrophy program and it's basic. And I think when she looked at it first, she was like, it's a bit simple, isn't it? It's like, all you need is fucking simple. Don't worry. But the thing is, like, the more complex you make a program, and especially when you start layering in like uh, drop sets, other set extension methods, it becomes very, very hard to progress in any linear fashion. And ultimately, it's that linear progression in terms of progressive overload that's going to cause you to have a hypertrophic effect. It's not necessarily all of these really, really fancy things, which ultimately are just proxies for more reps, more sets. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, I give her, but that's just. I give her some drop sets in certain sessions and it's not part of my programming when I started it. It's just so she can feel the pump and be happy at the end of a session. I don't put it in because I think it's going to make her better. Actually, in fairness, it might be a mild detriment, but it keeps her it keeps her on board and focused on her program. Yeah, and I think it's like what you and I were talking about yesterday with Dean during the workout is the fact that we just, for, for sheer bro ego shits and giggles did a workout yesterday where we ended up doing a million and one drop sets on the leg extension and leg curl with forced reps and isometric holds (laughs) and it ended up basically being like a five minute set it was was fucking grim it was disgusting but you can't do that every single session and expect a linear progression because there comes a point where it's like yeah you feel great and you've you know you've hammered it you've broed it yeah you absolutely broed out but then that's going to ultimately take away from your ability to adapt and progress for your next session like I know that I'm not going to make the same linear progression in terms of reps achieved or load moved in my next session because I'll still be fatigued from the fact that we kicked the shit out of it on Saturday and, and that's fine like don't get me wrong I also had a great time and that in and of itself is you know an important thing because like you said those drop sets might be a mild detriment to Claire but at the same time she mentally feels really happy about it so mm. that's going to make her want to train harder Yeah. so it's kind of playing that juggling game and understanding that that's kind of like where the art of coaching comes in um, but like I'd argue that people can get an f- absolutely fantastic physique without ever needing a set extension method well like I was just I remember Eric Helms arguing with who's the the glute man again, what's his name? Brett Contreras. And they were talking about program design and where they put special methods in. And Eric Helms said, 
all my sets are straight sets. All of them, with every single one of my clients. I'm Brett Contrarian. I use special rep methods for novelty. And that's it. Mm, that's, that's it. Yeah. So he uses them for novelty. Like, you... <laughs> This is now. This is when you're just talking about. This is pure physique. This is nothing to do with sport or rate of force development or anything fancy like that. This is purely for physique. Um, and bearing in mind, the majority of people in the fitness industry are doing this to look better naked. Oh well, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the fact that I have clients that have come to me and gone, right? I want to go into Commonwealth judo. I want to run faster. I want to jump higher. But those are the minority of the clients that I've had to deal with in my like however many years working in the fitness industry. Because I was listening to um, the evil genius Project Chavez yesterday, and he's talking about his program design, and he put it exactly the same way. General population get general programs. MMA, not not even so. Like middle of the road MMA fighters get general programming. Elite. MMA fighters, that's where it gets layered. That's where you've got to consider strength, speed, I suppose you want to fucking put agility in there, and skill. And you've got to interpret or interconnect all of these things with their residual effects. So like eventually like those things will fade, so you can only really work one at a time. And that's when it gets really fucking fancy and really, really hard. Yeah, that, and, and especially when you're like, the, the thing that people don't, take into account the fact that when you look at the upper echelons of strength conditioning which ultimately is like the tip of the spear and informs like all the real big changes and developments in terms of how we understand the science behind program design they are already dealing with genetically elite individuals and big groups of them because for every one of those players in let's say like I had the pleasure of going up to the um, National Centre for Excellence with the Welsh Rugby Union and it was a collection of the biggest genetic freaks that Wales has to offer. And that is awesome. But for every one of those elite genetic freaks, there are gonna be thousands of people who are in great cracking shape, but did not make the cut. Hmm. Because at the end of the day, when you see these athletes, it's like the whole thing about, Oh God, what was it? Uh, Kelly Surratt was talking about when you when he saw, I think it was Serena Williams for the first time, and he was just like, that's a unicorn. Mm. That is an athlete. They, they just have something about them that is different. They can handle that level of programming. And also far more importantly, to get them an extra 1% better requires 100% more effort and 100% more... Um, Diligence, I think, in terms yeah. of programming. Because the reason why I didn't, I, I would not like to work with the 1%, not that I wouldn't like to, I'd like to get a free shot at it, where like, even if I fuck them up, it doesn't matter. But it's the fact that when you're dealing with, a per- with percentages like that, yeah. you can be there to their detriment. Yeah, exactly. It's like so it. hard to make someone who's already so elite better. But you, it can be fucking easy to make them worse. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like a, like a half a percent difference in the positive or the negative means Usain Bolt coming second or breaking his own world record. Yeah. Like, that is what you're talking about. And that is absolutely terrifying when you're dealing with that level of genetic freakery. No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. So, I always thought that, oh, that was it for me. That's what I wanted to do, but no, no, no. I don't want that pressure. No, I don't exactly. want that, I don't want that kind of responsibility. And uh, don't get me wrong, love reading about it. Love, oh, the science yeah. of pro- love the science of program design, but hell no, that is, a level of, that is a level of terrifying responsibility. And like, don't get me wrong, when you're working as part of a collaborative like coaching structure, and that, then, then it's, it's more achievable because you have, a del- you have like a meeting of the minds where you have all of these people who get together and their entire job as a performance staff is to make everything work. The, the solo elite strength coach, that is a, uh, 
That is a hard road. Mm. That is a hard, hard road. Um, but yeah, and also like further to that, I would definitely argue Mark Ricoteau's point saying the majority of the people n- never get out of the intermediary phase. No. No. So if you have like beginner level programming, which is super, super simple, then you have slightly more complicated programming, or I should say slightly less simple programming for the intermediates. Um, the majority of people never make it into advanced. And if they do make it into advanced, usually it's at the bottom of the level because otherwise... You know, if everyone was advanced, no one would actually be advanced. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's just what it comes down to. Like, you look at people who, you know, classic example I use all the time, uh, Yuri Belkin, elite level powerlifter, arguably one of the strongest people that has ever been. Um, With Yuri, it's very much a case of, hang on, someone's going with my laptop. What are you doing? Got it. Got it. Nailed it. Sorry for the technical difficulty. Um, Yeah, with Yuri Belkin, um, one of the strongest human beings that has ever lived, there is, um, he maxes out once, maybe twice a year. Because that's him choosing to get into a neurological car crash. Mm. He's so strong. Like at 220 pounds, being able to deadlift over 900 pounds, squat over seven, eight, somewhere around there. Like that's, that's bonkers. To be able to hit your max potential in a condensed time period of, a, of 365 days. And it's funny, like, with elite... Two to three times. But I suppose, like, when he speaks to, like, the elite of powerlifting as well, they... Less is almost more when you get to that level of strength. So, like, when you look at a lot of the movements they do, like, if, they, if they're aiming for certain percentages, so when I think about, like, two reps at 90%, to say that they're aiming for, mm-hmm. if they hit those two reps and they think they could get five more, they tend not to... <laughs> Yeah, no, so like, it's like, that's it. I hit my numbers. I can progress next week. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like nobody needs to be the gym champion. No. It's what you, it's what you do in your in your like field of endeavor that really counts. Um, and I mean, moving on from that, I mean, I think a big thing for me uh, in terms of my professional uh, development with clients and stuff has actually been just saying trying to educate my clients more in terms of what are they actually trying to achieve within the context of their lives and within the context of um, their overarching goal structure, right? So saying like, if they want to be X percent body fat, that's absolutely wicked. But where does that fit in the context of their life? Because a lot of people have these grand assumptions and ideas that they want to be X weight, X strong, X whatever. But at what point can you do you get to where you need to start taking additional things from your life that are beyond the things that you're happy to do? You know what I mean? So like, at what point do you have to start being more antisocial? Yeah. At what point do you have to spend less time with your kids? At what point do you have to spend less time with your partner? At what point do you say, I can't go out essentially for the next two months? Because I think you remember, like when you remember when you started the ind- when you started in the industry, you're like, I want to go out with a physique model. Do you fuck? Think she's going to go for a pint with you on Friday night? Nope. Think she's going to go for a burger and chips with you on Saturday? Nope. She's going to be eating at a Tupperware when she goes to a wedding with you. Like, it's, it's that kind of thing. They sacrifice so much because that's what they have to sacrifice to get where they want to go. Our, most of you, and me included, probably Rogan, I can't speak for him, I'm not willing to sacrifice that much. No, I'm not either. And that's been a, and that's been a really big thing. It's just sort of trying to actually discuss with people a lot more the why of why they've set their goals. Mm-hmm. Because it makes no sense for someone who is like, you know, mother of four kids, working her job, husband's working his job, doing whatever, trying to make the whole thing work with these young kids going, I want an eight pack. 
I want to be the leanest I have ever been at 40 whatever. I want to be leaner than I was at 21. And don't get me wrong. You can do it. You can do it. You can absolutely do it. And we will get you there. But you need to start thinking about the things you're actively willing to give up in order to get there. Because there comes a point where, and we have this so many times, where people don't want to hear the fundamental truth. It's like when you have someone who comes in here and says, oh yeah, I only eat 1,200 calories. And, you know, they're obese. It's like, well, there's going to be a certain, like, you know, come to Jesus moment here where you're going to have to accept the fact that one, you didn't get huge on 1,200 calories. Two, you're probably still not eating 1,200 calories. And three, are you willing to break down these levels of um, essentially like lies that you tell yourself on a subconscious level to get there? And that's a personally uncomfortable thing. We haven't even got into like the pragmatic side of things. So like, are you willing to give up parts of your social life? Like I got, there's one client in particular um, that I can think of. And it was kind of, I remember like coming in and like, I want to look like her. You know, one of those, I want to look like this girl. I was like, fuck man. Like, I mean, Bitch is fucking lean, like she really lean. Um, you got a really fucking stressful job. First things first, you're gonna have to start tracking your calories. Okay, okay, I can do that. Never once tracked a day of her calories. And that's the thing, like, it's grand to say, I wanna be this, when you can't even make really, you're not willing to make really basic sacrifices. That was all I asked at the start. Track your fucking calories. No. She wasn't willing to. And it was like, okay, well, you, you're 35% now and you wanted to get to 15. Would you be happy at 25? Probably. You'd probably be really happy at 25. You still do all your nice shit. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you can get someone from 35% to 25% with... Minimal effort. Yeah, well, well, with instructions as simple as, did it used to have a face or could have had a face? Then yes, you can eat it. Did it come from the ground? Yes, then you can eat it does not meet the other two criteria, does it have one single ingredient? Yes, then you can eat it. Mm. Simple. And you could get them from 35% body fat down to 25, Mm -hmm. with minimal effort. But it's that that point where your goal starts to impact your comfort comfort factor. You need to say like, right, am I gonna get the hell in or am I gonna get the hell out? Or am I gonna readjust my goals? Yeah, there's no, but like, that's the thing, people don't understand, there's, there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting, especially physically, because we've all got some, this isn't a physical world anymore, you don't need to be at 25% to run from things, like, if you can find a comfortable weight that you're happy with, and do all the other nice shit, you'll, you're, you're probably where you want to be, you're probably already where you want to be, and to sacrifice more, because especially for girls, to get from 25 to 15, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. And it's, um, there's a really good interview with um, Luke Tulloch, um, who is a biochemist out of Australia. And he was talking to uh, Jordan Shallow on the RX Radio podcast, um, basically saying that exact same thing. It's like, you know what? I could probably be a lot more marketable if I was a little bit leaner. I could be a lot more marketable if I was a little bit more jacked. I could be a lot more marketable if I trimmed my beard and looked a bit more like a Gymshark model. But the fact is, I really like my beard. I don't want to put on any muscle because any more muscle because I'm really happy with where I am and I don't want to buy an entirely new wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And three, could I do with being a little bit leaner? Yeah, but you know what? I'm Australian and I like going for a pint. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just that simple. Like He's reached a point where he's like, Nothing outside of other people's opinions is making me want to do and achieve all these other things. Mm-hmm. And if, it's not, if I'm not doing it for me, then what the fuck am I doing it for? So that's been a big thing for me is actually just starting to get into 
a lot more of the why behind my client's goals and start having those conversations because we talk about expectation management as being like the key thing to like client life cycle longevity and ultimately getting them to a place that they're happy with. But when in an industry, we're always taught not to challenge our clients. The client is always right. But this is the one industry, one of the few industries in which the client down there is always wrong. That's true. Actually, and you need about. to be able to have a chat with them and say like, look, at the end of the day, you've come to me because I'm not... I'm not a gym instructor. I put a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of just blood, sweat and tears into this business and my own personal education. You don't go to a consultant for whatever is your, your work is and be like, well, actually, no, you, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I don't, go, I don't walk into Facebook and go, now let me tell you, Mark, this is how you really, really set up a business. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's not a thing. You don't call up a plumber and go, well, actually, I think you'll find, Mr. Plumber, this is, this is what's wrong. Because like, I've been talking to you about that like loads of times. Like, so we've got like, like a scheme here where it's kind of like lifestyle clients where you're allocated a certain amount of these lifestyle clients and you look after the nutrition. So they give you their goals, you try and set up how you're going to do it and you get a lot of clients chopping and changing coaches looking for a different answer. And every single coach they go to gives them some might give more attention which may help I get that part of it because a lot of this is accountability and but also it, vibing with that person and vibing yeah but actually but the ones who change looking for a different answer you're not going to find it you're not going to find a different answer it's going to be how can we reduce food intake within a spectrum that you're comfortable in how can we get you to move a little bit more um, how could maybe you can start looking at some of the other stuff like do you sleep well and you can look at aspects like that as well but in the grand scheme of things you're going to get the same answer everywhere you go so you get these people that bounce around personal trainers it's not it's, it's, it's not me it's the gym it's not me it's my personal trainer it's not me it's the diet I was on but have you ever stuck to any of those things? Any of them? Like, have you stringently stuck to keto? Probably not. That's because it's hard, but still. And I think that's what, like, when you start talking about educating clients, it's actually, it's actually a really good point. Um, clients need to know that, unfortunately, like you said, in most places, the customer's always right. And in here, they're fucking never right. Yeah, exactly. Never. Because you're all thick as fuck. Like, and I, 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 and I, have that, I have that argument all the time with people. Like, you know, you're all so accomplished. Because most of the time, if you come to see a personal trainer, you've probably got some disposable income, probably have a good job, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, and it's like you're very kind. Like I work with some clients who are so accomplished in their own fields, but they're so stupid when it comes to this stuff. And sometimes I look at them and I'm like, and I never would. I was just having the ones I know really well. It's like, what the fuck did you just ask me? Like, did you, did you genuinely turn around to me and ask, is keto the right way to go? Like, you've been losing weight gradually over six months, you've lost 30 stone, you're asking me now, is keto the right way to go now? And it frustrates me, anyway. No, but, it's, but that, that is a big part of it. It's just like, the, the customer is damn near always wrong in this industry because they're coming here having done what they've always done and are looking for something different. And like you said, it's a case of like chopping and changing from personal trainer to personal trainer. There comes a point where you just need to admit the fact that you are the commonality in all your problems. You've got to be better than your fucking excuses. And it's just, and I'm not saying that to be an asshole. It just comes down to the fact that like, if you are not losing fat, you are not in a calorie deficit. Because physics, the immutable laws of physics. The immutable bylaws of physics. Exactly. Like, it's just that simple. And we can, we can argue the toss on it. Like, if you want to sit here and waste an hour arguing about, oh, yeah, but I think it's my, you know, 
my neat, my sleep, my whatever. It's like, yeah, that all of that definitely all plays that, yeah. all that plays a factor, but nothing exists in a vacuum and ultimately it's all all roads lead to Rome. Mm. It's gonna take you to the fact that if you're not losing fat, you are not in a calorie deficit. If you are losing muscle, you are not eating enough protein. If you are not getting stronger, you are not training hard enough with a level of nutritional uh, support that is conducive to your goals. That simple, Occam's razor, mic drop, done. See you later. Yeah, exactly. But moving on from that, what I've been doing on a personal level, uh, I went on another cut. So after the photo photo shoot last year, um, I got- Yeah, I know, right? Um, I lost 10 kilos was, and it was the, probably the single hardest like thing I've ever done nutritionally. Uh, Got down to 78 kilos and it was pretty grim. Uh, did not enjoy the process at all. Ended up going through protein spraying, modified fasting for two and a half weeks, which was the grimmest thing ever. Um, and I look at the whole thing and I was really not happy with the results that I had, which is once again, you know, like we were talking about just a second ago, managing your own expectations. Um, so I basically got to a point where I was dealing with a lot of um, stress with work, whatever, um, family life, and basically I was putting on weight. So I was like, right, cool, I need a new goal. I'm going to do all the things that I wish I could have done with the power of hindsight in my last cut. So what did I do? Whereas in the last cut that I did uh, for the previous photo shoot, I basically had a phasic calorie deficit. So what that basically means is I started off with a 200 calorie deficit, which in the phase two became a 400 calorie deficit and so on and so forth, taking 200 calories away every single time my weight stalled out. This time round, I went into a 800 calorie deficit straight from the word go, and I maintained it the whole way for five weeks on, one week off, five weeks on, one week off. And when I was off, I only went back up to maintenance, which was two, three. Just enough calories to stop me from going insane. I ended up getting down to 77.5 kilos. I didn't have a mental breakdown. It was so, so, so much easier. And the big thing here is that I basically did exactly what Lyle McDonald, who we talk about all the time, uh, recommends. Go as hard as you can without affecting your mental health. That's it, go as hard as you can. If you can stand an 800 calorie deficit, do it. But I made sure that I was smart about the way that I did this by dropping my training volume immediately. So I basically dropped my training volume down to 20 sets. That was it. That, which is actually, relatively speaking, quite a short workout. Yeah. Yeah. Not, re- not overly high reps, like three to five reps on my A's, six to eight reps on my B's, eight to 10 on my C's, done. Really, really easy programming. Um, and all I did was just keep it there. I kept it at 20 sets and just let the calorie deficit do the work. And the big thing that I really want all of you to take away from this is the fact that you need to choose what is actually causing your calorie deficit. Are you training more or are you eating less? If you constantly try and do both, you're gonna end up just burning yourself at both ends. And that is a mistake that people make the whole time. They check everything in the kitchen fucking sink Mm. at their fat loss when it's a case of just go hard in one thing. Yeah. Like, I can't, was it? Uh, Sophie Olivari, she didn't touch her nutrition, but she just 
Turned 25,000 steps. Yeah, she, yeah, she just ended yeah. up going, like, I'm going to go on a two-hour dog walk every single day. Yeah. And she ended up getting, like, what, her knee up to 25,000 steps, and she lost, like, two stone? If I'd say it was more, to be honest. She's one of Kane's ex-clients. I think... Yeah, shout out Kane. Shout out Kane. I think it could have been more, because her before and after pictures were nuts. And, like, I'm... She did so well. And I remember Kane talking to her, like, she fucking... She won't even... She, like, when she, she still eats shit every single day. Oh, yeah. Where she just walks like a beast. And, like, I think... But she picked her thing. She yeah, picked yeah. her poison and she ran that into the ground. Yeah. So like, I'm doing the same. Like, I've got a lot of clients coming up to a photo shoot in November, and I, I same during the summer, I had a lot of clients come into a photo shoot. And what I learned massively from that first photo shoot with all my clients is what Rogan just said: find something you can go hardish at without losing without losing any sort of, any of your sanity. So like with all my clients this time, I came out so aggressive with them in the old cut. So they had like three months and I was chucking them into massive calorie deficits. Like, let's go, let's get you from fucking 40% to 10% in this time. And the vast majority of them buckled and failed. And it was a huge error on my part, huge. And this time I've got eight, nine, I think I've got eight clients going into the photo shoot. And we're about 11 weeks out. We've been running it for five weeks. I put them all into a calorie deficit they could handle. And most of them I picked activity as their driver. So they're still having enough food, they're still allowed to go out and do nice shit. And they're all on track to lose the weight they decided they wanted to lose at the very start. Every single one of them. And I think then as I get closer, you can start to pull on things a little bit more. So if you're two, three weeks into a photo shoot, there's an end in sight. So if I turn to one of them and I say, right, pull 400 calories, oh, that's really hard, suck it up, it's three weeks. You can do anything like, like that. Suck weeks. it up. It's three weeks. Do you want to? Do you want to walk in there and look fucking banging? Suck it up for three weeks. Whereas I was doing that with fourteen weeks to go, and like someone, look, there is no end in sight when you have fourteen weeks to do um, of a massive calorie deficit. But, but that's the thing, man. Willpower is a finite resource. Some like, people are just mutants. Like some people, like like Claire, she was in a calorie deficit, a massive one, for ten months. Oh. But then again, I'd say that's completely unnecessary. Yeah. Oh no, it was, absolutely. It was terrible coaching. I'm part of an old coach, I'm part of a new coach. <laughs> her new coach is incredibly handsome. But like it was just it was just poor coaching on that side of things. But like she like there is that person. And you're probably not that person. I can guarantee you, whoever you are of our five listeners, you are not that person who is going to sit in a massive calorie deficit for ten months. Because why? Yeah, it's it's not it's not achievable. And even then, like like you and I haven't really spoken about Claire, but I imagine when she, when she got to you, like hormonally, she must have been a mess. Yeah, she was an absolute mess. So like I took her, so we gave her some 2,200 calories. She's a small girl. She's 50, 52 kilos? Yeah, about that. Yeah, she's got to be about that. About track. 52, I'm sure she's 52.6. Um, I don't know why I remember that. I think she... <laughs> But, so she's, she's slight as fuck, and we had her to- Her waist is tiny, and we had, no sense. And we had, to take, we had to take her, so she's been in like this mad, cyclic calorie deficit. So like she dieted down to 8% body fat, came out of it, and tried to still stay in a calorie deficit three, four days in a week, and then smash it at the weekend. So we brought her in, and was like, Claire, you're gonna have to do 2,200 calories a day. She's like, I'm gonna get huge on that. It's like, no, you no, won't. No, you won't. She has, so we're running it for 10 weeks, it'll be 10 weeks and two weeks, and she has, no, she's lost weight, and she's lost body fat on 2,200 calories. Damn, man, I mean, that's, but that's the thing, is it, it's, it's super compensation. 
Like at the end of the day, you've given her body a reason to adapt. And this is the thing that people constantly get wrong is that like fat gain is not a positive adaptation. It is not something that your body actively wants to do unless you give it a reason to. Yeah, okay, that's good. Good ending. I was like, of course your body wants to get fat, but like, no, but unless reason, you, no, but unless, reason, you, yeah, right. unless you give it a reason to, it's yeah, a case yeah. of like, cause that's the thing. It's like, if you're, you're designed to get fat during summer and you were designed to cut down during winter because there was so much food available. If you don't create that level of availability in relation to your like output, you're not gonna get fat. You are not gonna get fat. And if you give your body enough of a stimulus to build muscle, and then feel it appropriately, then you're gonna be fine. Like this is the missing key that people always forget when they bulk calories into a diet. It's like, you bulk calories into a diet, your training volume goes up. It is not just spare fuel sitting around in the tank waiting to be used, you're using it. Mm -hmm. And it can be like, I mean, don't get me wrong, you'll get that super compensation. When you add calories and you go back to maintenance, you will, you've been in a deficit for a long time, you will move more naturally anyway. So like, don't get me wrong, it is not one calorie, so as one calorie goes up, it's not that, that's one extra calorie of body fat. Your body will swing in the opposite direction, as it does when you come into a deficit. Um, Isn't it the body accounts can account for up to 5% additional um, calorie intake? just by like auto-regulating TV. Yeah, there, 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 is a, there is an up-regulation of it. I remember, I think uh, it's, I remember Ben House talking about it before. And like, there is a certain marker that you'll find with everyone where you can give them X calories above their perceived maintenance. You might be right with 5%, I'm not actually sure. And you can give them X calories above their perceived maintenance and they'll still maintain body fat. Body weight. Yeah, yeah. Um, And you'll probably get the same the opposite way. Not quite, actually. You won't get in a deficit as much. Um, but, like, bodies adapt both ways. So it can upregulate and downregulate. But upregulation very much has a cutoff point. Yeah. Um, where you'll just start to store it as fat. But that's the same when you try and put on muscle. Going two, three hundred calories into a surplus will help and the vast majority should, depending on loads of things, turn into muscle mass. But then you've got that fucking point, that tipping point or that U-bend where it just all goes into fat afterwards. Like there's only so much you can push your calorie surplus before you're just tipping it all into fat. Yeah, exactly. And the same thing in a deficit. There's only so far you can build yourself into a deficit before things do start to become psychologically detrimental. And I think for a lot of people that becomes psychologically detrimental before it becomes physically detrimental, it's just people don't want to be wusses. Uh, yeah, like the psychological side of deficits. Can, depending on how fat you are when you start, I shouldn't use the word fat, but like it is what it is. Yeah, like I was, 80, I got up to eighty-eight kilos uh, due to just eating like a not an asshole, training hard, but eating like an asshole and eating too much. Um, and then I got down to seventy-seven point five, and at that point, I was just mentally completely done. Like four months of a cut, done. Mm. Just over ten kilos. So just under 10 kilos, like that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, so now it's just a case of running a, ma- running a maintenance phase for six weeks, super high volume. Greg and I did one of my workouts yesterday. Awesome. It was grim. Um, and then we just go back into the next stage of the cut. Won't be hard because I've had it, I've had like an actual plan in place rather than just what a lot of people do, which is just, I'm going to run a deficit into eternity and forever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the key takeaways from that guys, just, you know, Things are changing with the podcast. We're going to be bringing you a lot more information. And as always, you need to make sure that you know why you're achieving the goals that you want to achieve. Okay. 
and actively think about the plan in which you are going to attack those goals with. And we can't come up with a good plan if we don't start with the why behind your goals. That is the single most important thing. You need to know whether this is something that's actually going to be achievable for you and accept the fact that if we don't think it is, we are going to challenge you. And that is not us trying to be like, you know, fuck you, you don't know what you're talking about. But it's a case of we have your health always as our number one priority. I think when you get like a lot of high-end professionals that come into us and stuff as well is... Some of them aren't used to being challenged in the same way. So, like, was that, was that me and Steve, wasn't it? When Kath Hennessy came down. Kath Hennessy's fucking tiny. I'm sure she won't mind me mentioning her name if she listens to this. Like, we get, like, she's one of those ones. She's one of those bubbly people that you just love to be around. But when she came down and she's tiny, I'm going to say 48 kilos. She's fucking, like, literally half my weight. But she came down and she had been good for 10 days. And at her weight, she lost a pound. Yeah. And like, that's quite significant when you're that small. And she came and she's like, oh, I'm fucking pissed off. I'm fucking this. And it was me, it was, were you there? Yeah. And like me, you and Steve, and we're like, fuck up, Kath. What the fuck do you want after 10 days of being good? And sometimes like, you just have like, it's not nice sometimes, but just be horribly harsh with people. Because these people are used to be challenged. Like, what do you want, Kath? You, you, so you ate shit for three months. You came back and ate okay for 10 days. And what do you want? And I think some people, and she was good with it, like because I know we know her that well. I wouldn't do that with a brand new client, but sometimes people don't like to be challenged. God no, no, and fuck, I don't like. Yeah, and it's not, it's, it's natural. Like people don't want to be told that they're wrong, and mm. we're not trying to do it to be dicks. It just comes down to it's the fact just you're that you're wrong. Yeah, it's just it's 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 a point of professional courtesy. Like I would rather someone tell me the hurtful truth to my face than lie behind my back. You know what I mean, like. Oh yeah, that's how you that's how you know a friend, isn't it? Yeah. Nice behind your back but really mean to your face. <laughs> Alright guys, so this has been the most recent episode of Talking Fit. As always, we appreciate any comment, feedback or anything else that we can use to help grow the show and create more content. If you have anything that you want us to discuss at length, please do let us know. Um, Kane and I will be filming an episode on Tuesday. So recording an episode on Tuesday, and the way that it's going to work is we're going to try to get all three of us on the show at one point if we can, but if we can't, Ooh, then we'll just be two of us. We'll just, keep, we'll just get it done. Um, if actually, before you go, if any of you know anyone that might be of interest to come on the show in terms of health and fitness or some people who just achieved really amazing things and mm. um, that would be interested in coming on that you think our client base would be interested in listening to please put us in contact it could be an amazing opportunity yeah that'd be awesome so thank you very much guys uh, and as always please do find us on stitcher itunes soundcloud spotify wherever you're listening to us and leave us a five-star rating review if you feel we deserve it and even if we don't please do anyway because it helps us, anyway yeah because it helps us grow the show and it helps us bring more great stuff to you so guys we will catch you later this love has you. been talking fit lots of love bye-bye